MSW Media. Thanks to MedKline for supporting the Daily Beans. If you suffer from shoulder pain or nighttime acid reflux or both, then MedKline is right for you. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Today, former Trump lawyer Eric Hirschman warned Donald last year about the illegality of stealing government documents. Trump's lawyers respond to the special master Judge Deary's demands ahead of their Tuesday hearing. Another associate of Matt Gates co-conspirator Joel Greenberg, Michael Shirley, has been indicted on federal bribery charges. Donald's lawyers respond to the Department of Justice's appeal to the 11th Circuit. The migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard have filed a class action lawsuit against Governor Ron DeSantis and his transportation secretary. And Judge Deary takes the Trump lawyers to school during their first hearing in Brooklyn. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Happy Wednesday. I'm not going to lie. Some of these stories make me feel really, really joyful. (laughs) (laughs) And I have some other really, really cool breaking news right now. This is just in. New York Attorney General Tish James has sent out a press release. She will be making a major announcement tomorrow morning. That's Wednesday morning, if you're listening on Wednesday at 1030 a.m. Eastern. It may have already dropped. My beans are on her filing her lawsuit against Donald, the Trump org, and at least one of his crotch goblins. My beans are on Ivanka and Eric. Ivanka, because, you know, she was a consultant for the Trump org while also being an employee, taking hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then Eric for making phone calls to people saying, yeah, no, it's totally worth that much money just because, you know, you have to believe me. Eric should go to jail for being Eric. I mean, let's just let's be <laughs> honest there. Like, do we need more cause? But I guess we have to prove it. Yeah. So we'll see what that's about. Many people, it's probably already, if you're listening to this, it's probably already dropped. Maybe it's something totally benign, but she's like major press release. So I think it's that since she recently declined or denied a settlement offer from Donald about this entire thing. (laughs) Haha. I'm going to speak later today in this episode with former White House ethics czar and House impeachment lawyer Norm Eisen. I got that's so cool. I got to talk to Norm Eisen. He's, He's just absolutely wonderful. And of course, we'll have the good news later. By the way, Dana, we crushed the $100,000 mark. Hell yes. For the MSW Media How We Win Fund. So now we're going to go for 200000 So thanks to all of you. This is our fund. This is a Leguminati thing and y'all are crushing it. So very cool. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. As Lawrence O'Donnell put it on last night's last word, The likelihood of Donald getting indicted in the classified documents case has skyrocketed following a damning report from the New York Times last night. Eric Hirschman, the 1-6 hearing panda justice bat guy, warned Donald late last year he could face legal liability if he did not return government materials he'd taken with him when he left office. And that's according to three people familiar with the discussion. Hirschman sought to impress upon the former, the FAPOTUS, the seriousness of the issue and the potential for investigations and legal exposure if he did not return the records, particularly any classified documents. In January, not long after the discussion with Mr. Hirschman, Trump turned over to the National Archives 15 boxes of material he'd taken with him from the White House. And those boxes turned out to contain 184 classified documents, 
As we know, there was a subpoena in May where they went and got 38 more. They signed a little thing saying, this is it, we promise. And then they did a search warrant and found 100 additional. (laughs) Whoopsie. Oops. One of the hardest things to prove in a criminal case is intent. And the last thing you want to hear as Donald's defense team is that a credible attorney told your client that what he was doing was illegal. (laughs) It's much like all the lawyers who told him that the fraudulent elector scheme was illegal and why Judge Carter found that it's more likely than not that Donald violated federal criminal law. So even after Hirschman told him of the legal perils, he held on to a bunch of them, then lied to the DOJ about it. Of course, Trump could claim that he declassified the documents, but that's not looking good for him either. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So put a pin in it. Totally, because why would you need to declassify documents if they were just news clippings? Anyway. Or planted by the FBI. Exactly. Now, a former Republican operative and campaign consultant who worked for disgraced Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg has also been charged by a federal grand jury with paying bribes and receiving kickbacks worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in exchange for getting favorable treatment from a public office. Now, who could that be? Michael Courtney Shirley faces four counts of fraud and charge of conspiracy to commit fraud by the U.S. Attorney's Office. He was arrested on August 31st in Western Texas, where he currently lives. And on Tuesday, he filed a plea of not guilty with the U.S. District Court in Orlando. That's according to those court documents. In all, Shirley garnered as much as $466,625 from his scheme with the unnamed public office in Seminole County. Again, that's according to the federal prosecutors. Shirley's arrest and indictment follow Greenberg's close friend and former radio talk show host, Joe Ellicott, pleading guilty in February to paying thousands of dollars in a cash bribe to Greenberg on behalf of an unnamed company. So they're all in cahoots on this one. He is scheduled to be sentenced on October 11th. Shirley's indictment does not name Greenberg or Ellicott, but it does refer to, quote, a public official and a co-conspirator whose descriptions and other details closely match Greenberg and Ellicott, (laughs) along with information in both of their cases. It's them. (laughs) Yeah, it's sure they didn't say who, but it sure matches them. Shirley's company, Praetorian Integrated Services was hired by the Seminole County Tax Collector's Office. Is it PISS for short? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Piss, PISS was hired by the Tax Collector's Office in early 2017. That was soon after Greenberg took office, and they were hired for consulting services on the public office's budget, strategic planning, and providing advice on new technology. Hmm. Well, Greenberg dished out about mm, $678,000 to Praetorian. That's according to an audit report and documents received from public records requests by the Orlando Sentinel. Now, the company was dissolved by the state in 2019 for failure to submit an annual report. (laughs) You're not doing your job. Now, federal prosecutors charged Shirley and his company, however, submitted fake invoices that included prices for goods and services, quote, that were inflated to enrich Shirley and Praetorian and to defraud the governmental agency. And that's according to the indictment. As part of their conspiracy, Shirley would withdraw cash from a central Florida bank, then hand the money to the co-conspirator, matching Elcott's description, who then would turn it over to public official. That's according, again, to the records from the court. Shirley then created false receipts and a false cover story that showed the money paid to the public official was for the sale of furniture. Of course. Hmm. Yes. This is, quote, when in truth, in fact as Shirley and co-conspirator, in parentheses, yeah, then and there well knew the only purpose of the false cover story was to conceal that the cash was a bribe and kick back to the public official in exchange for receiving favorable actions. Now, the public official would then deposit the money into 
his personal <laughs> account. Stupid <laughs> moron. Greenberg is currently in the Orange County Jail and scheduled to be sentenced on December 1st. He pleaded guilty in May of 2021 to six felony charges, including sex trafficking, remember, including sex trafficking of a child, identity theft, stalking, wire fraud, creating fake driver's licenses and conspiracy to bribe a public official. Man, he's a motherfucker. Yeah. Greenberg has been working with federal and state investigators on several cases. I don't give a shit. We should get some information. He's still a motherfucker. Now, Ellicott also agreed to cooperate with other investigations. And his attorney has said that former radio host hopes to avoid a federal prison sentence. So Ellicott may also be singing like a fucking jaybird at this point. He is. Yeah, he's the one who probably ratted this whole thing out, him and Greenberg. You Love know. it. He's been cooperating for a while. Excellent. And for those asking why Gates has not been indicted, it's likely because we are fewer than 60 days away from Gates's election. Just want to. I also want to laugh at the fact, and I know someone's going to say I just said singing like a like a jaybird, and I think it's a canary. I don't know either yeah. way. I fucked up the statement, so don't write it. I'm very clear it was the wrong bird. New <laughs> idioms. It's you sing like a sing sing like a canary and naked as a jaybird. There you go. Yeah, no, he's singing like a jaybird. He's singing he's like a singing naked. Like a he's singing naked like a canary. naked jaybird. Like a naked canary. He's singing like a naked canary jaybird. <laughs> hybrid. I thought you were talking about hybrid animals. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, all right. Some more news on the Trump classified documents case. First up, ahead of the Tuesday hearing with the special master, Judge Deary, Donald's lawyers responded to some of Deary's demands, including asking Donald to explain, first of all, why we're in Judge Cannon's court and not the magistrate, Judge Reinhardt, the one who signed off on the search warrant. And he also asked for evidence that Donald declassified the hundred or so documents in question in the Department of Justice's appeal to the 11th Circuit. Jim Trusty responded to the special master in a letter by saying, hey, first of all, I'm paraphrasing. Hey, Deary, you asked for um, inspection and labeling of the non-classified documents to be done by October 7th. But Judge Cannon, our friend, said you had until November 30th. We would like you your deadline to be pushed back. Uh, we don't like what you we don't like October 7th. So can you just push that back for no reason? Cool. Next. Even though we're not supposed to object to the requests you sent us, we're going to anyhow. <laughs> and regarding you wanting to know why we're not arguing stuff in front of Judge Reinhardt and why we prefer Judge Cannon, well, Judge Cannon didn't tell us we had to argue our merits with Judge Reinhardt, so we don't feel like it. And finally, you told us to tell you whether or not Donald declassified any of these hundred or so documents. And even though we're asking for pre-indictment relief, we don't think we should have to tell you about that until after an indictment because we want it both ways and we're assholes. And then trustee actually says, I'm not paraphrasing here, quote, we have every interest in expeditiously moving forward, unquote. Yeah, except we want you to chill and push back your deadlines. We don't like Judge Reinhardt and we don't want to tell you whether Donald declassified anything until he's indicted and maybe not even then because we'd probably be lying to the court. Then, this morning, Donald's lawyers filed their response to the Department of Justice's appeal to the 11th Circuit. Notably missing from the filing, Dana, was Trump lawyer Corcoran, Evan Corcoran, hmm. who has probably withdrawn his counsel because he's a fact witness in the obstruction investigation. <laughs> That's why Christina Bob's no longer there, and she lawyered up. Chris Kyes, though, the $3 million agent of the Venezuelan Maduro regime, actually made a pretty cogent argument about the 11th Circuit not having jurisdiction because the DOJ broadened their appeal a little bit from, you know, remember when they had a motion to stay Cannon's 
order not allowing them to use these documents for an investigation. Right. They broadened that just a hair. And uh, that opened the door a little bit. Let me let me see if I can explain this to you. Again, they filed that motion to stay Cannon's order with Judge Cannon. And in that motion for stay, they only objected to her ruling that the Department of Justice could not use these classified documents in their criminal investigation. And their argument was, hey, we can't separate the criminal investigation from the risk assessment being done by national security professionals. But in their 11th Circuit appeal, they added that they didn't want Judge Deary, the special master, or Trump's lawyers to have access to these classified documents. Now, that's an objection to Cannon's order appointing a special master. Right. And since that's a broader appeal, something called interlocutory appeal, the 11th Circuit may not have jurisdiction. It's clever, but it will not fly. And I'm going to chat with that little thing about Norm Eisen, super expert, amazing lawyer, in a few moments. Awesome. But then in the hearing with the special master, Judge Deary, it did not go well for Team Trump. Deary said he probably isn't going to review the classified documents, nor will he allow Trump's lawyers to have access to them. That sort of makes the second part, that broader part of DOJ's appeal to the 11th Circuit, moot. And that sort of makes Chris Kaiser's interlocutory argument also moot, leaving the 11th Circuit with jurisdiction to decide the stay only on letting the DOJ use the documents for the criminal probe, which I think they will. Jim Trusty was mad during this hearing that he wouldn't have access to the classified documents, saying, hey, I have top secret clearance. Mer. But Deary reminded him, yeah, but you don't have top secret SCI clearance and you also don't have a need to know. He went on to remind the Trump team that if they're not going to commit to saying that the documents have been declassified, then they're shit out of luck. Here's his quote. If the government gives me prima facie evidence that they are classified documents and you don't advance any claim of declassification, I am left with a prima facie case of classified documents. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the end of it. Whew. Now, that doesn't allow the DOJ to start using the documents again in their criminal probe, but it does allow them to amend or moot the only part of their appeal to the 11th Circuit that might not be covered in their jurisdiction. Of course, Judge Cannon can always fire Deary or overrule his rulings, but, you know, we'll see how this shakes out. All right. And this story brings joy to my heart. In addition to the criminal investigation into DeSantis, we now have a group of Venezuelan migrants on Tuesday filed a lawsuit in federal court against Ron DeSantis and other Florida officials who took credit for flying them to Martha's Vineyard, alleging that they were lured onto flights through gifts and false offers of jobs and services. Three migrants from Venezuela, represented by civil rights attorneys in Massachusetts, accused DeSantis of violating several federal laws in the U.S. Constitution asking the federal district court in Boston to prohibit Florida from, quote, inducing immigrants to travel across state lines by fraud and misrepresentation. The Venezuelan asylum seekers also asked the court to award them the several dozen other migrants flown to Martha's Vineyards last week monetary compensation for the emotional trauma they say they suffered as a result of their transportation to the Massachusetts island. The class action lawsuit, which seeks to cover the roughly 50 migrants taken to Martha's Vineyard, alleged that an unknown person gained the migrants' trust in Texas by offering them McDonald's gift cards, free hotel rooms, assistance getting them to the destination where they would find employment, housing, and other services. The lawsuit's accused person, who the migrants said identified herself as Perla, of trolling 
They're accusing Pierla of trolling the streets outside a migrant shelter in San Antonio to identify and befriend the Venezuelan asylum seekers who had been released and allowed to seek asylum. They were allowed to seek asylum by federal officials along the southern border. After gaining the trust of a few dozen migrants, the lawsuit alleged Perla, and I apologize if I'm not saying that right, but I think I'm Perla replaced them in hotel rooms for a few days and then facilitated their transportation to an airfield where they boarded the flights that would ultimately take them to Martha's Vineyard. Well, but the lawsuit said the migrants were told that they were being taken to Washington, D.C. or Boston. The migrants, the suit said, were also provided folders that included brochures with the services that Massachusetts offers to refugees, even though the migrants had not been resettled through the U.S. refugee program. It was only after the planes took off that the migrants were told their final destination was Martha's Vineyard. That's according to the lawsuit. So upon landing in Massachusetts Island, the migrants were shocked. Some of them, the lawsuit said, tried to call and message Perla, but did not receive a response. One migrant referred to as Jesus Doe, sent Perla a voice message saying, one question, what institution are we supposed to look for? We arrived and no one is saying anything. One Venezuelan mother traveled with her husband and their 11-year-old child. She said she felt helpless, defrauded, and desperate. After arriving in Martha's Vineyard, the mother referred to as Yannette Doe in the suit said she started crying. The lawsuit which was filed by lawyers for civil rights at Boston-based organizations said the migrants, quote, experienced cruelty akin to what they fled in Venezuela, which has seen millions of its citizens flee in recent years due to its economic collapse and repressive government. Mm. The lawyer went on to say defendants manipulated them. They stripped them of their dignity, deprived them of their liberty, bodily autonomy, due process, and equal protection under the law, and impermissibly interfered with the federal government's exclusive control over immigration in furtherance of an unlawful goal and a personal political agenda. A.G., do you notice a difference when, like, a very uh, qualified lawyer makes an argument as opposed to, like, some (laughs) shit that's defending Trump? They're just so much more coherent and so much more uh, lawful, if you will. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that it's exact that's exactly right. And these are great lawyers. I hope DeSantis goes fucking down for all of this. I hope everyone around this, anyone who was involved with this gets charged. Yeah, and he's a lawyer, but this was really sloppily done, as Renato Mariotti said on Twitter. All right, everybody, I'll be right back with Norm Eisen. We're gonna discuss today's filing and the hearing in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, I used to be one of the 70 million Americans suffering from sleep problems. I tried countless solutions. The best thing I found to help me with my shoulder pain was MedKline. If you suffer from shoulder pain or nighttime acid reflux and GERD, or both, the MedKline patented pillow system is designed to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable. It's doctor-recommended, it's clinically proven to provide effective acid reflux and shoulder pain relief, helping you get a better night's sleep. In fact, 95% of patients reported an overall improvement in sleep quality when using MedKline. MedKline sleep systems are actually true medical devices, not simple foam wedges. They're FDA-registered, doctor-recommended, and clinically proven to provide relief. The patented arm pocket allows for comfortable side-sleeping the entire night as you're enveloped in a side-sleeping comfort. It's so nice. MedKline's medical-grade gel-infused foam is built to last. It provides cooling comfort. You don't get hot. It's an exceptional night sleep for anybody using it. And for those who also suffer from acid reflux and heartburn, MedKline's reflux relief system is proven to reduce exposure to harmful stomach acid 87% better than just a bed wedge. 
Put an end to your nighttime discomfort, and you can rediscover a good night's sleep with MedKline. Now you can get 20% off when you go to MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. That's 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedKline, M-E-D-C-L-I-N-E dot com slash Daily Beans. Again, that's 20% off today at MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is former White House ethics czar and impeachment counsel Norm Eisen. Norm, hello. Allison, how great to be with you. It is great to see you, my friend. We haven't talked in a while, but boy, I was uh, really, really just tearing through your amicus briefs that you filed with both the Judge Cannon Court, with the District Court, and with the 11th Circuit Court. And I, I just had some questions for you. You participated in, in those briefs in support of the DOJ in response to Trump's civil suit seeking a special master to Judge Eileen Cannon. She rejected that brief, but you did file it with the 11th Circuit. A <laughs> little bit amended. Can you tell us why? Did you get a reason why Judge Cannon denied your uh, amicus brief in the district court and what you added to it in your filing with the 11th Circuit? Well, Allison, it is the prerogative of every judge whether or not to accept uh, an amicus brief. This one is submitted on behalf of 10 stellar former DOJ officials and and other experts from Republican administrations since Reagan. So uh, we were a little surprised that the judge said uh, in an order that she had determined words to the effect uh, that the brief would uh, not be helpful in the determination of the case. But uh, we did go ahead and submit a revised version of the brief to the 11th Circuit. And in the brief in both courts, we explained that Donald Trump has no possessory interest in these 11,000 plus documents, that this is a dispute within the executive branch between the current president and a former one. And that in those situations, the current president's determination, Trump, he never should have taken him with him to Mar-a-Lago. And that there were some apparently very serious criminal offenses possible, possible. There's been no charges yet here. The second brief uh, hones in on an important point about that potential that relates to that potential criminal exposure and that tracks DOJ's notice of appeal. And that brief makes the point that all of these arguments, I mean, to me, it seems so strange that there would be any claim to these documents by to keep these documents by a former president. But that's really beyond the pale when it comes to classified documents, because those represent the greatest danger That's the greatest focus of the criminality. Remember, we have probable cause of multiple crimes here, including violations of the Espionage Act for having sensitive national security information. And uh, that really, the DOJ has a great likelihood of success on appeal. So that should be stayed, was our argument to the 11th Circuit. And we'll see if they're any more willing to receive our brief than um, Judge Cannon. We know Judge Cannon read it. Allison, that's the beauty of submitting an amicus brief because the court reads it in determining whether or not to accept it generally. And there were some points in the 
in in her opinion where it was clear that um you know that she had read our brief so i will see if we do any better in the 11th circuit i i hope we will well yeah you brought up something that i was wondering about that the doj didn't really touch on which was i mean they touched on jurisdiction but they were talking about equitable jurisdiction so you you went through standing and you went through jurisdiction and you brought up the point that if this is a presidential records act situation like the president claims it is then it belongs in the DC district court under the presidential records exactly. act provision and i was like <laughs> yes and so maybe she just didn't want to talk about that or well, the she, fact that she nudged them for an anomalous jurisdiction and they still didn't <laughs> pick up on her hint you know they uh you know they've been They've been a little slow on the uptake uh, <laughs> on some issues. That's one of the ways that we feel she probably read our brief because she included a footnote pointing out that when executive privilege is asserted, there is that uh, jurisdiction in D.C. Now, she sidestepped, I think, by not ruling on whether there had been a formal <laughs> assertion of executive privilege. I think that was the import of the footnote. But you've hit the nail on the head. That is one of the places where we thought, oh, okay, she read our brief. So maybe we made some contribution uh, to the court. And, you know, I think it's more likely that the 11th Circuit uh, will accept the brief. We hope so. Um, I'll note that we're not now the only Republican Amici that a bunch of current sitting Republican state leaders have filed in the 11th Circuit for permission to offer an amicus brief. These are AGs strongly side with Trump, and they want to offer the other uh, Republican view. But I think our 10 (laughs) former U.S. attorneys, uh, senior DOJ officials, cabinet members, governors, every administration from Reagan to Trump, They're federal officials who have federal expertise on executive privilege and on classification. And so I think their opinions are a little more germane. Well, yeah, I wouldn't take any standing advice from a bunch of attorneys general who thought Texas could sue to overturn the election in Pennsylvania. But maybe that's just maybe that's just me. I I also noted the distinct (laughs) overlap between the... Uh, election denial litigators mm-hmm. and the ones who now, you know, um, are attempting to appear here. And, you know, but I suspect the 11th Circuit will, as is customary uh, on appeals, will take all the briefs and then they'll look at them and decide what they're worth. Yeah, but I do have a little bit of a concern about the 11th Circuit here because, well, first of all, your brief is broader than the Department of Justice's motion for a stay because you, as I said, address jurisdiction and standing and the appointment of a special master, whereas DOJ is kind of taking this off on a strand for a stay on part of Judge Cannon's order, but leaving the, you know, interlocutory broader appeal for later. They they just want to do this most important thing about the 100 classified documents first in their intelligence community national security risk assessment and their ongoing criminal probe, which DOJ says are inextricably linked. But they added that they wanted to stay the order that the special master and Donald's lawyers could have access to those classified documents, which was in the special master appointment order by Judge Cannon. And Trump's lawyer, Chris Kyes, used that as an opportunity 
to claim the Department of Justice was appealing the 11th Circuit on a broader interlocutory basis by appealing the special master appointment. And therefore, the 11th Circuit does not have jurisdiction. I thought it was cleverer than I've ever seen any Trump's lawyers do. But what do you think about that argument? Well, that's um, likely um, a, a sally by the former Florida SG, Chris Kyes, who's a pretty good lawyer. I tweeted when he entered his appearance that finally a real lawyer has arrived. Apparently, he demanded three million bucks in advance from Trump to work on this. So that shows that he's also aware of Trump's history of not paying lawyers and getting them into trouble. That's enough of a rainy day fund for him to hire his own lawyer. You know, the the new hat that George Conway had made, MAGA. Um, making attorneys get attorneys. Making yeah. attorneys mm-hmm. get attorneys. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think it's too clever by half. They're attempting to inflate a um, secondary point. I don't think the 11th Circuit is going to deny jurisdiction. But these are, it's been fascinating to see how the Trump arguments have evolved from that first utterly shambolic brief that caused Judge Cannon to kind of do an issue spotter for them and tell them, hey, here's the issues we, I want you to respond to. The second brief was almost as bad. They were a little sharper in oral argument. And then she really crystallized the issues, treating it as a 41G motion, you know, cleverly attempting to squeeze her order in the framework of uh, the Trump v. Thompson views that were expressed when cert was denied uh, in Trump's last executive privilege, Sally. So she's trying to help them. But then, of course, you have the initial hearing before the special master on Tuesday in which he he's a real judge, Judge Deary. And, you know, he's he's not falling for any of it. So he's requiring Trump's lawyers to provide the proof of declassification. As he said, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. If they they're resisting based on not wanting to preview their arguments. If Trump gets charged, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Either make your arguments now or reserve them. But in that case, you know, we're going to treat these documents as presumptively classified. Yeah, that was great. I mean, he said, if the government gives me prima facie evidence that these are classified and you don't advance any claim of declassification, I'm left with a prima facie case of classified documents. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the end of it, he says. So with regards to how the 11th Circuit might rule, Yeah, the the thing about the whole trick, the Kai's trick to bring in the interlocutory argument, I think they don't even have to, 11th Circuit doesn't even have to consider the jurisdictional issue because if they stay Judge Cannon's order, then whether or not you show these 100 classified documents to Judge Deary or Trump's lawyers kind of becomes moot. It's sort of one sort of does the other for it. Yeah, that's right. And I I don't think they have to go there. And my own view is that they won't go there. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out. (laughs) We will. We'll definitely find out. And soon. Yeah. And sooner rather than later. They're not messing around. So we'll see what happens. Everybody, you can get a full explainer of all these filings by going to normaneisen.com. Make sure to follow Norm Eisen on Twitter. It has been great to speak to you, my friend. We will talk again soon, I am sure. Always. Thanks for having me, Allison. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. 
Hey, I'm Ben Micellis. I'm Brett Micellis. And I'm Jordy. And we are the hosts of the Midas Touch podcast, the top rated, top watched political podcast for pro-democracy content. Each week we do multiple episodes where we break down the political issues of the day here in the United States and abroad as we fight for democracy. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right, Ben. We've had conversations with some incredible guests like White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, Beto O'Rourke, DNC Chair Jamie Harrison, Glenn Kirshner, Mary Trump, celebrities like Deborah Messing, Alyssa Milano, Michael Rappaport, and more. So subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's the Midas Touch, M-E-I-T-A-S-T-O-U-C-H podcast. Jordy, anything to add? Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to tell us about an idiom you screwed up, like singing like a jaybird or naked as a canary, you can send everything <laughs> in to us. <laughs> you can send everything in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I still, I, I want to see those Halloween pictures. We're coming up on it. Send us last year's if you, you know, if you don't have the new ones ready. All right. First up, we got a lot of corrections for mispronouncing bear as Bexar County with a hard X and shame on us from being from Southern California. <laughs> I now I'm like, did she say, did I say it? But you know what? It doesn't matter who said it because the other one wasn't smart enough to correct the other one lovingly. It was me. I, it was me. I said it. I was trying not to throw you under the bus, but I didn't correct you. I was like, yeah, it's Bexar County. <laughs> hey, I like saying X's. They don't get a lot of work, the X, when you think about it. Oh, my X gets way much, too much. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I'm just talking about the letter X. It reminds oh, yeah. me of that old Mitch Hedberg thing. Like X starts xylophone. I don't fucking see it. It's like X didn't have enough to do and I had to give it more jobs. <laughs> All right. Xyl- OK, so X, you will mark the spot and you will represent hugs and kisses and you have a co-starring role in tic-tac-toe. Oh, yeah. And you'll start the word xylophone. Are you happy you fucking X? So I think that's probably... <laughs> It's like, come on, let's give X more to do. All right, Bear, thank you for all the corrections. Bear is really pronounced Behar, but the locals go with Bear. Now, up from Dana S., pronouns he and him. Crimes and crimes and crime shirt update. I wore it out in public for the first time. Only one person in the orchestra asked me what it meant. Next time, I'll wear it to a meeting with lawyers in it. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Look at that. Playing the, the kettle drum. That's so I cool. Love it. Actually, I think he's playing the snare drum. He's got a little... Snare? Is yep. that a snare? That's a snare. There's a, hi, there's a hi-hat next to him. Says oh. the band geek. Yep. Played those for yep. a very long time. Percush. All right. This is from Cindy Pronash. No, I'm oh. sorry, Dana. I think that's the Bexar drum. Oh, I don't think so. It's bear drum. <laughs> And I don't appreciate your tone. This is from Cindy, pronouns she and her. (laughs) Wellington, a small town in my state of Colorado, has bucked the book banning bandwagon by banning book bans. Awesome. I hope this practice catches on. I don't have small animals, so I've attached a photo of one of my horses. She's a pony named Ella. After listening to SCOTUS arguments this past year, I was struck by how often Justice Barrett starts a question with, assume I disagree. So I had a hat made with that saying, just so that I could take this photo. Oh my Maybe God! My it's funny. Amy Pony Barrett. <laughs> Assume I disagree. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. 
Uh, Okay, next up from David. Pronouns he and him. Hello, ladies. First with the good news. After six years of having photos from the internet of Africa on our refrigerator to keep our goal front and center, we get to take them down and put our own photos up. We spent almost three weeks on safari in Tanzania and Uganda this summer. It was our most amazing trip. We went to... Let's see. Tarangir, Lake ASC. Why are you doing this to me? Ngorongo. Usually I get these. Serengeti, Gombe, and the Buindi Impenetrable Forest. The scenery was beautiful. The people were wonderful. And the animals, I still cannot believe. My weapon of choice for this trip was my Nikon DSLR. Please enjoy some of my trophies as pet tax. I wish I could post more. Second, I want to give a shout out to my wife, Dr. Professor Lisa. I know it's not proper to say it that way, but smart women are sexy and my wife is one of the sexiest. Nice. So please forgive me. Watching her as an educator, I am constantly amazed at how she goes above and beyond and how much she cares. When COVID hit, she made each student a welcome pack with homemade Egyptian candy. She teaches archaeology and anthropology, a mask, hand sanitizer, and other goodies. She then drove all over town, hand delivering them to the students' homes. She makes each student individualized video messages to try to make remote learning more personal. And she'll help students any time of day or night on weekends and weekdays. I know so many educators put in this type of effort. So to all the educators out there, we see you and we appreciate you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. My daily news with swearing. Oh, look at this gorilla's eyes. That picture is phenomenal. Oh, my God. And the giraffe with all these zebras. Oh, and this cheetah. These are amazing. These are like fucking National Geographic quality photos david david i love that you had this experience i'm so jealous amazing truly amazing thank you for sharing us them with us thank you thank you this is from anonymous pronouns he and him dearest dg and ag i'm in desperate need of your help please help us find a home for the following fur babies in the houston texas area number one the sweet sweet pitbull baby girl was left abandoned in an apartment when the mean owners moved out she was obviously had pups but we only found her She's so sweet, as you can tell by the picture. Toothache, unavoidable. Oh. Number two, Synergy. Three-year-old gray tabby, maybe? With green eyes. He's so mellow and loves looking out the window. So please, please, please spread the word so we can save their beautiful souls. Thank you for all you do. And these are in the Houston area. I don't know which... It, it says if you're in the Houston area and you're interested in adopting either of these sweeties, I've got a little note here from the producer. Just oh. reach out to hello at MullerSheWrote.com and put Houston in the subject line and we'll do our best to put you in contact with the current foster. Thanks, AG. I have not scrolled. Oh my God, if I could take that little pity, I would. She is so lovey. I can't believe somebody would take all the puppies and leave the mom abandoned in an apartment. Sometimes I hate people. Don't deserve this beautiful baby girl. She's so gorgeous. And look at this gray little tabby. Hello. Hello, sir. (laughs) He's so cute. Thank you for sending that in. Again, if you're in the Houston area, you're interested in adopting either of these sweeties. Hello at Muller, she wrote, put Houston in the subject line. Next up from Kevin, pronouns he and him. In spite of the fact that our great and beautiful state of South Dakota has been hijacked by the female Donald Trump, Christy Nome, the Nome, I have had much to be grateful for. My 16-year-old daughter and 19-year-old son are emerging from prolonged trauma to reclaim their true identities and accompanying happiness. Fortunately for us, we could afford the proper mental health care required for their recovery and healing. That said, it's hard not to be embittered by the fact that we live in the wealthiest nation on earth by far, and yet access to simple, adequate mental health care is a pipe dream for millions of hardworking Americans. Thanks, GOP. 
Full disclosure, I was a registered Republican for many years until the aftermath of 9-11 opened my eyes to what the party truly values. Interesting. A non-significant aspect of my child's healing is attributed to the two pups we bought at the outset of their therapy, Pinto and Ham, (laughs) have been immeasurable blessings during this process. They're siblings as well as best buds. They're full-fledged members of our family. The five of us have so much fun together, we look forward to each day's new adventure. Pinto is a sweetie with a massive heart. She always seems to know when one of us needs a warmth, the warmth of a cold nose. She's also quite intelligent, evidenced by her reaction in the picture after being told Donald Trump was once the president of the United States of America. Ham is, well, Ham. He's 100% a little boy, as evidenced by his very dirty face. He's like 12 pounds of boundless furry joy. Thanks for all your efforts. It does make a difference, especially for those of us living under the indoctrinated pall of gnomon culture here in South Dakota. Get it? Gnomon culture? Pinto and Ham are Shih Tzu Bichon Frise crosses, often called teddy bears. Aww. Look at this Look at that dirty face. (laughs) What a ham. Yeah, I love it. Ham is a good name, for sure. Don't jump down off that tall stool, though. Oh, I know. Joelle's Marley Moo is always jumping off tall things onto the floor. And I'm like, no. Give her one ever a heart attack. Yes. (laughs) She's like, will you stop? (laughs) No. Uh, Thank you so much for all of these. I love all the photos. I love the crime and crime shirt. The horse, Amy Pony Barrett. Assume I disagree. (laughs) So great. These photos from Africa. Oh, I mean, just, those those ones are unbelievable. And then this little pibby. Little teddy mama, bears. And then the kitty and the teddy bears. Thank you so much, everybody. If you have anything you want to send to us, please do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. We love your good news. Uh, Dana, any final thoughts? No final thoughts for today. All right. And guess what? Tomorrow we've got a really cool thing happening. We have a crossover episode with Red, Wine, and Blue and the Suburban Women podcast. Yes. So it'll be me and Jasmine and Rachel Vinman. We're in, we're all going to talk about just all sorts of current issues, news, themes, what's going on with voting in the midterms, the document stuff, the insurrection. And uh, I will be coming on a little bit before that we do that crossover episode. It'll be in your Beans feed, but I'll come on, give you the headlines, give you an intro. You'll have that. So you'll have the news for the day as well. But I'm just really excited that we're going to be dropping that. So a little bit of a shakeup for tomorrow's Daily Beans. So I hope you all enjoy it. And then uh, Dana and I will be back in your ears on, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sound good? Sounds wonderful to me. All right. Everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.